live, live. Hello, Candy Clark. <laughs> oh, Vicki Abelson. Well, I'm telling you, this is this is this is a this is a, uh, a test of, I'm of live. It, oh, Hello, Candy see, Clark. Now it just goes on and makes noise without my oh, Vicky Abelson. without my uh, acceptance. But now it's okay because now I've shut it up. Oh my God, I can't do this anymore. I need a crew. Hi, Candy. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing good. Yeah. Doing good. Just sitting here in my house. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> so, all right. I just switched it to public. So hopefully people will find us. So Candy, tell me what, I know you're double vaxxed and I know you've been going out in the world. How is your life open? A little bit. It, how is your life changing since you've been vaccinated? Uh, it hasn't changed that much. I did go to the uh, Rose Bowl swap meet and it was way too crowded. And really? Creepy. Yeah. And they had a, people waiting to get in. Everybody's very starved for uh, entertainment and going out. But that was mind boggling, the amount of people that were at the Rose Bowl. Oh and uh, that was way too much and very risky, I thought. But anyway, wandered around, my boyfriend and I, and, you know, but it was very disconcerting. But uh, the other day I went out to uh, early dinner and uh, sat inside. It seemed okay. They had the windows open. And, uh, you know, we're just limping along, trying to figure this out. You know, it's very late in the game. We've kind of, I think uh, for me, it's day four, 406 of, you know, this nonsense, this pandemic, this COVID thing. But I do have both shots and I really have side effects to speak of, you know, just the usual sore arm. Um, that after the second one, I, I did hip ache in the middle of the night, but I just stretched my legs out and it went away. So it was really nothing. And I'm, I did notice uh, a lot of energy and I felt really good. Yeah. Um, because I guess it brings your immune system up pretty high. Right. And uh, so you feel like, you know, just supercharged. I really liked that feeling. That was great. So uh, if they uh, want us to have boosters, you know, and I'll be, you know, I'll be in line. And what I'm really worried about right now is the, is India, which is, I up, I mean, by the second it's burning up. And I'm just so nervous that that's going to ricochet back to the U.S. because that's what China was doing. It was burning up with the virus. Then it yeah. came here and uh, now we're still suffering from it. And I just, another round of this so i'm hoping that more people will get their shots so inevitably it will be back because of in you know over a billion people in its country and um you know it will escape and it will come back just urging everyone while we have the chance Go to ahead. get the shot you know just get the shot and quit fooling around it's going to come back and it's going to come back hard and it's going to be mutated so 
Do you, do you feel that we're protected with with the vaccine from the from the variants? Do you feel safe right now? I'm not sure. This is all brand new. This mm -hmm. is all brand new. But I can't that it will be back because it's just too big. It's uh, India is out of everything, out of everything. They're just dropping in the streets in their cars. You know, and that's what ha was happening with China when it first happened. Right. And people just dropped streets. And when they built that thousand bed hospital, like overnight, you know, to take on the uh, over, you know, the overabundance of sick people, I knew it was serious. But India has, they've built a 7,000 you know, outdoor hospital with cardboard beds. And, you know, it's, you know, when, when a country builds beds, you know, it's, it's in trouble. They're running out of wood, wood because, you know, they're, they're big into cremation there. Right. And so they're chopping everything down. It's, it's just a, a big mess. And I've been posting it on my Facebook page just to let everyone know that more than like that, which really discourages me because I was feeling so happy that we were possible, you know, that we were out of this. <sighs> anyway, it aggravates me. <laughs> so they've also done these like crematorium, these huge crematoriums, which is like in the public square, which is. Yeah, I mean, they're doing the best they can. That They have a overabundance of, you know, people collapsing and. And, and you know they've—it's uh, just a big, giant mess, and mm -hmm. I'm really, really discouraged me and brought me down, you know, because I was hoping to be out of this by September, October, you know, and I'm just praying that let anyone travel out of the country, you know. Have you traveled during this, Candy? I went on a couple of hour flights twice uh, this I guess it was this year or the end of last year it's all blurring into one big and night you know there's not enough to chop up the your life to make it you know anything different you know it's just kind of a grind of sweeping the floor and you know watering the plants but uh, yeah it was okay on the plane I felt fine you did. And have you been going Before to supermarkets through this? I can't remember. What? Have you been going to supermarkets through this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All I just squirt that stuff on my hands and clean my steering wheel. And, you know, at first I was uh, even wary of the of the mail. <laughs> you know, I sprayed that down and, you know, I bought all these rubber gloves and you know, I have a, a lot of masks and wear them a time or two and then throw them away. I do cut the, the elastic because, you know, you don't want this to wind up in the ocean and then a turtle's got this mask around its nest, neck. So, you yeah. know, try to do my little bit of conservation. Uh, so do you, all right, so do you feel when, okay, you were in an indoor restaurant. Do you feel differently now that you're vaccinated? I mean, did you feel okay when you're saying- have anyone, here? yes. 
I feel differently. I feel better. And uh, I know California is getting low numbers now. We're in the going into the yellow zone or, you know, the caution zone instead of the dire, you know, <laughs> red and purple zone. Right. So, um, I feel, you know, uh, enough people are, you know, caving in and getting the shot. And I bet you there are a lot of people that aren't telling that they're get, gotten the shot because they're stuck, you know, wanting to prove a point, you know, I will never get the shot. But I, I have a feeling there's a lot of people that are getting the shot anyway. And uh, it would be smart to do because when India, you know, sends the here again, you know, it's going to be, you know, you'll wish you had the shot. So uh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. my prediction. It's so I'm assuming that we're going to have a, a booster soon. I think they're working on them feverishly, yes. and I think we'll end up getting a third yes. shot, and and that will. England has got is ordering boosters. England's already ordering their placing their orders. So it was I in today's news. Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't know that there was a booster that was approved for the variant. Yeah, they they've already made their orders. You know, it might not be manufactured yet but they've placed their order and so does that booster take I figured we, we would have a booster in six months you know i'm hoping right because it you know me feel feel as good with the booster as it did the second shot you know heck sign me up i agree i hope that it takes into account this indian variant that's this it's scary the variant ah, so annoying so, so what, what is a day like for you? You've, we've been in this for 14 plus months. What are you, how are you filling your days? Are you, what are you doing? Are you doing anything different? Oh, sweeping the driveway and <laughs> watering the garden, petting the cat, you know, I, the Academy season is over with. So I was watching a lot of movies so I could vote, you know. Um, how do you feel about the Academy? Do what? How did you feel about the Academy Awards? I liked them. I modest and uh, the best they could do. You know, there wasn't a big audience. It was just the people that were nominated, basically. And, uh, you know, it seemed like everyone did their own outfits and their own hair and their own makeup. And I kind of liked that. I thought it was appropriate for time right now. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a big, you know, gala extravaganza, which I think would look wrong right now. I thought it was a modest, humble uh, award. And, you know, people are so used to a certain way and they don't want any changes, but they have to be mindful of the situation we're in. You know, you can't be flaunting, you know, hair, you know, $10,000 gowns and all of that stuff when people are being kicked out of their apartments. It just doesn't look right. Right. So I thought, perfect. I was very pleased. Were you happy with the winners? Did you, did you pick winners this year? I got about half wrong. <laughs> I never get 100% right, you know. I just pick the things I like and not what I think is going to be vote and so you know I'm half right I was very happy with uh 
the father. How did you feel Hopkins about winning? How did you feel about Frances McDormand? She is so wild, Frances McDormand. Do you know her? Have you met her? No. No, I've never met her. I don't even know if she lives in Los Angeles. I'm not sure she where she lives. I don't think she goes out much. Yeah, she lives in New York. I ran into her when our kids were little at a, at a, a school fair. And she was actually less eccentric in real life than she is when she's on shows. She was more normal. I don't think she enjoys this award thing. She shows up, but I don't think she gets a kick out of it like I would or you would, you know, nominated. We'd be like, yeah, but uh, she kind of makes it seem like she's kind of annoyed with being there. You yeah. know, actually, not how I would be. She had pretty good humor this time, howling like a wolf, and she was running down there, and um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she, well, it was, I guess, appropriate for the time, you know, for for the pandemic. So can you, it's, I know this story, but can you tell people about the first time you went to the Academy Awards? Because you had a very different experience. The first time I went, I sat like on the, fifth balcony behind a pillar <laughs> and I was so ecstatic just being there at the same time I had my first trip to Disneyland you know that same week so I was uh really in you know heaven and it, all the things were happening to me so but yeah it was a wonderful night I rented the uh you know they were renting binoculars down on the first and I rented a pair of binoculars for, I think it was $5, which back then was quite a sum of money. But, uh, you know, I had the best time. I went there by myself, I think, you know, so long ago, but, and a lot of, (laughs) since 1970, uh, when was it, 71? (laughs) So, but uh, I just remember being way up a pillar and just peeking around and you know it was a last minute uh tickets so uh just you know took what i so so okay i seem to recall there's a story with that how you got to get that academy award ticket like didn't you make like not a deal with the devil but didn't you sort of make a deal with someone i made a deal with a casting agent who wanted me to come out to uh try out for this part in a film uh, john houston fat city right so I said yeah I'll come because you know I want you to pay your own way and everything I'll come but I want to go to the academy and Disneyland and and uh I thought for sure that would kill the deal you know the academy awards I thought now there's no way they can uh, um you know come up with the tickets but he did you know so I came on and then I had to do my audition, John Houston, and uh, that was a nightmare. But for I, and then I wound up doing a screen test and, you know, got the part and got a boyfriend at the same time, Jeff Bridges. Okay, so, and didn't you and Jeff go to the, didn't you go to the Academy Awards with Jeff next? Yeah, I, and here's a picture of me and Jeff. No, that's Bowie. (laughs) 
Do you have a picture of you and Jeff? Uh, not, not, with, not next to me. Okay. I have a lot of pictures of me and uh, David Bowie. We're going to talk about that. On the set. So, yeah. so you, did you meet Jeff on the set at the audition? When did you meet Jeff? I met him on the screen test. And was it instant? I met him on the screen test. Was it instant for you guys? Yeah, love at first sight. You know, it does happen. Wow. It's happened a few times. Uh, <laughs> so, but, you know, it's great when it's mutual, you know, that both people, it's really sad when you have love at first sight and they couldn't care less. Now that's tragic. Have you had the unrequited love candy? It's hard for me to imagine that you've been there. Oh, a bunch of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you better believe it. So, all right, but let's talk about happy times. I, I can't remember if the last time you were on, we talked about you and Jeff. I know we've talked about it before, but he was a young actor at the time, right? He was just starting out as well. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think he had the last picture show. And, you know, we went to the Academy Awards, he and I, and his parents wow. <laughs> in a limousine that they had and, um uh, he, uh, he and I were there for the last picture show. Well, and I'm guessing that was a very different experience than the first yeah. time you went and sat up in the balcony with the, with the binoculars. Yeah. I'm moving on up. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you must've done like the whole red carpet thing. And because Jeff was nominated, it had to be a lot of. Yeah, it wasn't as, you know, I don't even know. It was televised wasn't the extravaganza that it ha had become, you know, mm. up until the pandemic. It, it just got bigger and more expensive. And, you know, the Hollywood Reporter and the Variety, that's basically where they made their year-end money was right. from the advertisements, the uh, movie studios and, you know, the people that they were running for Academy Awards this year, there were, wasn't that much advertising. So they us to watch the films and uh you know make our picks did you have and it's all legit you, these people don't advance who's gonna win i mean there's people that guess you know and and i was looking at a variety on someone's guess yeah and they were like half right half wrong so did you think that Chadwick Bosman was going to win, or did you think Anthony Hopkins was going to win? My vote was for Hopkins. So, right. you know, it was a, a toss up, uh, but I guess there were a lot of people that voted for Hopkins. So, Candy, a lot of people have not seen the films yet this year because movie theaters haven't been open. You were getting screeners. I got some screeners for SAG. Did you have, do you have favorite films this year that you just loved? I really liked Crip Camp, was great. That was a documentary. I liked... Um, Something weird. I have, to, I have to ponder this and it may take too long. Okay. I'll tell you as something. Okay. If something jumps. Oh, the one, another round. That was really good, another round. I don't know that, what is that? That's like a Norwegian film about uh, an experiment in drinking. <laughs> wow. And how, yeah, and how teachers, these male school, school teachers decided to 
have a slug of liquor before they went to work. And then it progressed into an addiction, you know, and, um, you know, it was a, an experiment that went, went wrong. Wow, cool. But it was really good. You know, it's fiction. It didn't really happen. Uh, okay, so well, all right. And so how, how were those first two experiences different than when you were a nominee? Because I imagine going there for American Graffiti and being a nominee had to be a completely different experience. It was fantastic. That it wasn't, um, the lead up wasn't as long as it is today. So uh, it, a few ad, ads in the Hollywood Reporter and the Variety, I kind of split my money and ran little quarter page ads because the studio wasn't doing anything really with graffiti. And um, yeah, and so, you know, my experiment worked, you know, it was just like, my career and uh, it worked and then when uh, Jeff and I went to that and uh, second row this time wow <laughs> yeah and down the aisle was Sylvia Sydney and I was for sure she was gonna win I did speech you know I I it was I was just happy to get there you know right. and the award would have been icing on the cake, which I did not expect. I thought they would give it to Sylvia Sidney, and I was very shocked when Tatum O'Neill, who was, I don't know, nine or 10, right. took the award for Paper Moon. But she really wasn't a supporting actress. She, you know, she had a main lead role, but they put her in to, I guess, give her a better chance to win. So it was a little bit unfair competition. That's true. Did you know, do you know Ryan O'Neill? Have you met him? I've met him a couple of times, but I don't know him. Mm -hmm. And you and Jeff still friends? Oh yeah, sure. I just heard from his wife the other day. I just emailed her and asked her how Jeff's doing with his how? recovery, you know, he got sick. How is he? And, that his hair is growing back. <laughs> Good. So I'm glad because, you know, he has beautiful hair and, you know, he looks good with it and he has nice waves in it. I'm glad it's grow growing back because for a while he was completely, you know, old. <laughs> I can't so. picture him that way. Um, I know. Poor so kid. all right. So the last time you were here, we talked a lot about American Graffiti, and we got all through that, and we didn't get at all to the man who fell to earth, to the, any of the David Bowie stuff, which is, I mean, you had a huge role with a huge. I did. I did. Okay. So how did you get that part? How did that audition happen? And or did you audition? I did not audition. Uh... I was given the part by the director, Nick Rogues. And uh, so that was the one I was actually, you know, given something before anyone else got there. I was one of the, I was the first actor hired movie. You so were hired before? That was really great. I'm, before David? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And you so. Know, I spent a little time in bed together. Oh, yeah. God, we're going to talk about those. We're dressed, though. 
You are, but there, okay, there are a lot of nude scenes in that movie. Oh, too many. <laughs> I was well, mortified you... and so was he. Really? You know, he was very uncomfortable and um, so was I. And, uh, but you know, it was the seventies and nudity was mandatory then, you know, that was cutting edge. Now it's a dime a dozen, but then it was, you know, it was a new thing, 70s, you know, nudity, get the actors to do nudity. So at what point did you have to take it I didn't it like off? it, but I did it. At what point did you have to take it all off with him? Like, did had you been working together? Did you know each other before you had to take it all off? Uh, yeah, it, they didn't do those scenes, that. but, you know, David Bowie wasn't, you know, he's not, he, he works and then he went to his house. He wasn't one to hang about and, you know, he had an, his entourage, he had his secretary, his, you know, his wardrobe lady uh -huh. and the day's work would be over with. He would, you know, go back to his place, which was fine with me, you know. How was but he? We did get a few pictures. Oh, oh you're gonna show, okay, show yeah. us some pictures. Yeah, show us some pictures. Let me, oh, okay. Well, these are the first Polaroids, but the, here I am as my older. <laughs> oh my God. Older Mary Lou, that required 96 and a half hours just to get it on. Jesus. And that's how long I spent in the chair. Wow. Here I am with doubling David Boy. I'm in his clothing. Oh my God, that's hysterical. That's funny. yeah, I doubled him in the movie, so you're gonna have to watch the movie to see if you can find me. But yeah. Wow. <laughs> Oh my lord. Can you see this okay? Yeah, pick make it a little higher, move up a little bit. That's uh wow. I can't believe you were his double. That's crazy. You were as skinny as David Bowie. Skinny Malinx, both of you. Yeah, and I could wear his clothes. Wow. You know, his clothes weren't that big on me. Wow. And found a little red wig. <laughs> Did you do a lot of, what, what scenes did you do as his double? That's that's for you to okay. watch the film and try to find me. Wow. So here's a, a scene that was very sad. Oh, wow. Do you remember this? What a photo. I don't remember that. I did, I saw the movie not that long ago, maybe a year ago, but I don't remember that scene. What is that? That's a scene where uh, he's he won't reveal himself, and I beg him to, and then he gives me, and I put it on, but it doesn't fit, and I throw it to the floor, and I said, it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit, wow. and that's the last time he sees Mary Lou uh, at that age. Well, this is me older, so I have all these on my face so I have all this rubber that I had to wear to make me look wow. older you do you do they did a good they did yeah job. yeah it barely yeah that was a lot of rubber and I had on a, a fat suit and, you know to make me look heavier 
So what was the day-to-day working with David like? What, I mean, I know he left the set and he would just go home, but how was he on the set? Perfect, perfect. He liked to run lines and he, you know, he liked to, uh, that's my main thing is to know the lines. Right. And if I don't know the lines, then it's really hard to do the acting. He would, you know, by repetition, and I tr- attribute that, that he was a, you know, a, a rock and roll god. Every time he would go to a new town, they would have to go and, you know, run their, uh, their set because, you know, they're at a new stage with a new sound. So he was really used to rehearsing and he didn't mind at all, you know, the repetition of, we had a lot of dialogue in the script. Yeah well written that you wanted to get it really you know perfect so um do you have you know tri- without do you have tricks for learning lines candy i mean that you repetition know. that's it over and over again until it's second nature and it's just you know it's no fun is it more it's no fun now? what is it more challenging now at this age? I mean, I can't- It's always been, it's always, I was not a good student in school and, uh, you know, just memorizing a book report or some poetry, you know, you had to get in class was a nightmare for me. And I, I would, you know, I would shut down and be in front and just be change, you know, turning colors redder and redder and redder couldn't remember anything and I would just rather have an F than do that and so um it was you know very difficult for me and as a result you know those old uh failures kind of linger on so um you know it's just a lot of doing it by rote you know so Um, that's just my Tova just asked, she said, you look so young. She can't get over how gorgeous you I look. I do? Yes. And I can't said, tell how I... She the, wants to know if you have any um, beauty secrets to share. Well, you know, for a long, long time, I've been a scratchy sponge on my face with, uh, you know, and I, when I'm in the shower, I just kind of sand my face <laughs> with this. Uh, and so I just kind of sand away, you know, but it's been going on for years and years, probably 30 years of this method a, of like exfoliating, a as they say, huh? Like a loofah? Well, it's just one of those spun- hand, it's like a, but it's very rough. Mm-hmm. And they sell them in, you know, beauty supplies and drugstores. It's just kind of this real scratchy. You, you know, you don't want to do any other uh, other parts of your body with it. That's for sure. <laughs> Maybe your arms. Uh, it's uh, just kind of sanded away. I, I've tried Botox way, way, way kind of when it was first introduced. Made my cheeks and everything feel so heavy and weird. I did not like the way it felt and I just couldn't wait for it to wear off. Mm-hmm. So, so you're going to age gracefully. You're just going to let yourself be candy. Just go to pot. No, oh, you're, not going, you're not going to pot. pot. 
No, you look fabulous. You're not going to pot. Well, not this second. <laughs> but, you know, I have a few years ahead of me for it to you, happen. You look amazing. You look amazing. You no, totally Thank you. Do. So how did, how did Bowie, was Bowie, is he looks so frail to me all the time. And I've seen him in concert a couple of times. Was he frail in real life? Not frail, because he, you know, had muscles and all of that. He was just thin. Yeah. Not frail. He wasn't sickly or anything. You know, you it's just kind of a cultivated thinness that he had going there. You know, he liked the way it looked. And so, so when you were doing all those love scenes when the kissing and everything, were you, did you feel like- we weren't, we weren't like making out with our tongues or anything, no. No, you no, were it's, actors, actors doing a gig. <laughs> has it ever not and, been you know, Candy, have you ever what? been, has it ever not been that? Have you ever done a love scene with an actor where it really, was no and never gets carried away N not with me you know maybe with other people but you know i'm not long no i know there's a camera there and a wardrobe and a script person and a lighting person and the director you know i got you know lost in the moment to know <laughs> didn't you maybe I'm remembering this wrong but did you have like a body double for some of those scenes in in that film there was uh an older actress that was uh in the scene where I come back and uh you know David has this gun or Thomas Jerome Newton the man who filled earth has a gun and you know we start playing around with the gun first I think gonna kill me and he says you know I could get rid of you and no one would know and no one would care and uh, <laughs> you know because it was all kind of captured I assume by the government because he was from another planet and he had all these uh, great ideas nine basic patents that his lawyer Buck Henry told him about and he became like a billionaire you know so he was done away with and taken off the market because he was too smart. And um, when my character finally finds him again, you know, pass for me, but not for him. He stays the same age because he's from another planet. Right. And, uh, you know, time doesn't move like it does for us here on earth. And uh, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> and you know, they cut it so it looks like it's it's really, you know, someone in their 60s, I guess. I didn't ask her. I wasn't there there that day when they shot, you know. So, David, I was watching him. He was going to town on her. Was you know, he? he was really, really involved in the, in the um, scene. Way more than but by then his character was totally debauched and an alcoholic, you know, so his innocence was totally lost. And, um, you know, our little scenes when we were together were very modest and, you know, did you, did you have an embarrassed him um, after the, so I assume that you didn't have a great big friendship on the set that it was pretty professional. Would you say? It was very professional. And 
you know, he was friendly, but he still had, you know, his wife came, uh, uh, Coco, his secretary, his assistant was there. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, they did their own thing. They had a house. They weren't staying at the hotel. They had rented a house for him, large home. And uh, so, you know, the days were long and, you know, we, there were plenty of other people to hang with, like Rip Torn and Buck Henry. We were all at the same hotel. What so, was Nick Rogue. What was it like working with uh, with Rip Torn? I loved Rip Torn. Oh my God! Well, he's uh, you know he was a quite the character, a uh, bit of a drink, <laughs> but so was Nick Rogue, and so were a lot of people on the set. You know, it was a full British crew, which was uh -huh. like Nick Rogue's whole crew came in from England. And uh, they all knew each other. And at the, you know, about four o'clock in the afternoon, they had in one of the trucks and that would open up and people would start having their gin and tonics. And, you know, it was a very relaxed, fun and many different locations. We were based in Albuquerque and then we moved up to Santa Fe. And, you know, it was, it was really fun. And David was pleasure to work with and easy. You know, I manhandled him a lot in this movie. <laughs> Touch his hair and, you know, squeeze and stuff like that. And not that he had boobs, but you know what I mean. And, uh, you know, he, he just allowed it. He, he was, uh, you know, very involved. And I think he wanted that, uh, you know, he saw a great opportunity with that character. And uh, it was a huge for him. And he got a lot of notice and it's got a huge cult following to this day. It's, it's progressed and gotten a bigger, bigger, you know, it's got a lot of fans and, you know, I see on, uh, you know, not Facebook. What's the other one? Um, Twitter. No, not Twitter. Instagram. Instagram. There's a lot of David Bowie fans and they, you know, have eight, and, you know, I go and look at their pictures and put a heart, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I can't blame him for loving him. He was really a. Was there a um, was there a premiere? Was there like a big Hollywood thing for it? There was a, a uh, premiere in the and it was, you know, flew all the way to England to see it. And it was wonderful. But then when it got here, bought by Cinema 5, which was uh, an art house uh, distributor. And uh, Don Rugoff was the owner. And they wanted me to go on a tour, two week tour to promote the film. And I had seen it in England and it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I got uh, New York ready to go on tour. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, you know, I'd really like to see the film one more time to refresh my memory and go out and promote and sell, you know. And um, so we were uh, at a theater and I was sitting in the, you know, seat. was basically a, maybe it was one of uh, Cinema Five's theater, theaters. They did have th their own theaters. Mm -hmm. And I was so shocked because they had edited 
a two hour and 23 minute movie down to two hours, all out of order. They had hired, you know, I had heard they hired a, a guy that cut commercials, commercials to this. And it, I was so stunned. Wow. And I was, you know, so nauseated. And I was the one that had to call Nick Rogue. And they, Nick Rogue and Graham Clifford had spent like eight months editing this mm. film, you know, every day. We're and putting it in this order and that order and you know a lot of work was and it was chopped up in less than a week and so now I was in a predicament how am I to you know promote this film that I hate and destroyed in my mind because I'd seen it you know as it was as the director's cut right and so the next day I'm starting the tour in New York City. And I think it was the village voice came and I'm in my suite, put me up first, you know, first rate. It was red carpet all the way, it was wonderful. But now I'm in this position of having to, <laughs> to cover Cinema Fives, you know, reputation. Their reputation was that they would all only put cut they would never ever you know touch anyone's art it was an art house you know distribute distribution place right so wow so uh this little text just came in anyway so uh i'm like uh, they have a pr guy and my appointment is with the village voice i think it was and um so I'm trying to promote this thing and wonderful it is. And I'm so uptight, you know, and they have this PR guy who is like hanging on to every word I'm saying. And so finally, finally, he goes to the bathroom. And then I tell the village voice, I said, I'm being made to lie about this film. It's not the director's, you know, it's been destroyed by cinema five. And, you know, I just spill my guts. I, I felt like a, prisoner of war, you know, hostage, really. And the guy comes back and then I just segue into, yeah, and David Bowie was blah, blah, blah. We had such a great, you know. Anyway, so I, I call my manager and I said, there's just no way I can do this. I can't lie for this company. I don't know these people, you know, I have guilty to them. And uh, she said, get on, leave the hotel get on a plane, come home. Wow. And I really sad. And for years, then the VHS came out and it was that lousy cut. It was, it was a dismal failure. It, you know, could understand what the heck was going on. And it's a complicated film in the first place because, you know, time is passing and, you know, it's not an easy film to follow in the, first place but once it was edited you know 23 minutes cut out a fifth of the film gone right how, anyway how for years about it do you know huh how did he feel about what? it how did david feel about it do you know i don't know no i don't did know he, did he promote but it? i felt really horrible about it no he didn't promote it anyway mm -hmm. years passed it came out on v 
as you know, it failed at the box office and I really had high hopes for it. And uh, it was just a dismal failure because it was totally out of order and missing stuff and whole scenes were deleted and put back in uh, strange orders. Anyway, so many, many years passed and late 80s, maybe it was in the 90s, uh, I found out that Don Rugoff was no longer at Cinema 5. So I thought, I'm going to give him a call. And I spoke to the guy that was in charge of, you know, promotion for movies. And I said, and I lied and I said, you know, I'm being asked all the time about <laughs> the man who fell to earth. You know, there's so <laughs> many people that are curious about this. I said, you know what? Put it out, use the put a banner across that says uncut um, director's cut and I said I guarantee and I will go on the road for this if if you do this won't charge you I'll just do it wow. and um, so uh, he was like you know considering it so a couple of weeks later I call him again and I said, so how's it going? He said, well, not good because uh, we found out that the uh, negative has been cut. The guy cut the negative too. Oh. Yeah. yeah, and so I said, well, I know where this is and it's in, uh, you know, England. And so I gave the guy the name of the person to call and the phone number for, for uh, British Lion Films. And he called and got the, uh, uncut negative, printed it up. It's now, you know, on DVD and it's the full version, the director's cut with a lot of talk, you know, you can buy the DVD with us talking about it and it got saved and I never gave up on that film. And, you know, happy to say that, you know, Nick Rogue's masterpiece, which we talked about a lot and, um, you know, it's just, I'm very proud of that. That's really wonderful. You're very happy ending. It story. is a happy ending. And you're very proactive about stuff like that. You don't, you don't just wait for things to happen. You make them happen. I mean, never this is, have. This is, uh, that's example. not my style. Tell, you know, you just touched on it a little while, uh, a few minutes ago, but you did the kind of the same thing with American Graffiti because the studio wasn't backing the film. They weren't really getting behind it. And you started your own campaign, correct? Yeah, I just, did, I can't. How did you know to wait do for that? stuff? How did you know what well, to because do? I just went over to Hollywood Reporter and Variety. Uh, the guy, at, uh, this guy named Mike Malik, I think he worked at Hollywood Reporter. He uh, helped me design the ads. I mean, it was a full thing. I gave him the money. You know, I only had a, a little bit to contribute, maybe $2,500. Mm -hmm. And I split it between two papers and um, it worked. Had anybody done that before? Like, did you know, was there a precedent that you- No, Sally Kirkland did it after. And uh, it, it was very successful for her with Anna. Yes. And then there was this other actress that did it. She got, you know, it seemed unseemly, but you know, <laughs> nobody else was doing it. And mm. I, I wish I could remember her name. So good. What, what she did this film about a 
a person living in a trailer park and I just remember snow and God, what is her name? It'll come to me in a minute, but yeah, it worked for her too. And she talked about it. Well, so, but what gave, you the, what gave you the idea to do? How did it even come into your head to do that? Well, I believe in advertising and I believe in promotion and it's called show business and it is a business, you know, and, um, you know, it just you, made sense. And they you, were running other ads for, you know, movies and, you know, the studios were, but back then it wasn't done a lot. Not like today where it just be a, the Hollywood reporter is like thick. It's like a phone book, you know, right. not this year, but in the past, <clears throat> you know, that's their year end, uh, you know, money-making. No, it's advertising. You um, there's another great story about your initiative when you were going to audition for um, American Graffiti. Uh, I I believe it was a two shot deal. Can you tell the story of how you uh, how you got that part? Your auditions. Oh, that was um, you know I wasn't I've always been fairly bad at auditions, and so it's not like I haven't had a lot of opportunities. So, but I would just, you know, freeze up and kind of like, you know, doing the book report in front of the class, you know, that old feeling comes up. And um, so it was a general meeting with a man named George Lucas. And uh, there's rumors that the script took place in the 50s. So I thought, by golly, I'm going to dress as a character in the 50s. And I had my hair in a ponytail. Letterman sweater with a chain and a ring around my neck like I was going steady and bobby socks and saddle Oxford shoes and uh blue jeans up and so I'm sitting in the lobby and there's other actresses there and I'm the only one dressed and I was just like ay, ay, ay. but I go in George Lucas is naturally very introverted and quiet and so <laughs> that didn't help and um I go into this office and the desk is bigger than the, the room, basically. So I'm standing there in front of this desk. My back is a wall. It's just a closet of an office. And, and uh, I call my manager and I said, I just, you know, blew it again. You know, I went dressed and nobody else was. And he just kind of stared at me. And uh, a few weeks later, I had gotten a script and I, and it was exactly what we were doing in Fort Worth, Texas, you know, when we were growing up. And uh, it was the 60s, not the 50s. And um, so I begged my manager, Pat McQueen, and I said, you got to get me back in. You've got, I've got to get back in. And so this time he said, well, you know, once they see you and <laughs> you don't make any headway, then they don't want to see the same people over and over again. But she somehow managed it. Got back in and same office, same little tiny, you know, big desk, little back against the wall. But I was dressed as my <laughs> in everyday clothes. And I did not mention that I had been there before. <laughs> Believe me. And, uh, you know, it was pleasant, very introverted and shy. So it was an awkward meeting. But the next thing I know, they wanted me for a screen test. And, you know... <laughs> 
went down to Dublin and there was, um, gosh, about 200 actors there, you know, cause there was a lot of roles in the movie. And um, the tension is building and building. And I had this one scene where Toad picks me up and um, that was the one that, you know, we were and so I'm waiting my turn and finally my name is called and I'm led to this back alcove in the big building. And um, there's George Lucas and Haskell Wexler and they have a little early video camera. <laughs> and there's Charles Martin Smith and a park bench that doubles as the car. And so I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna get this part because Charlie is a lot shorter than me and they always like to have the romantic interest, you know, the man towering over the, the, the lady. And I thought, I'm not going to get it. So I just kind of threw it away. I didn't try very hard and, you know, I guess um, what I did, which I didn't, you know, was not pushed at all or nervous. I just kind of gave up. And next thing I know, they told me I had the part. <laughs> Charlie and I drove up to San Francisco in my uh, Volkswagen Bug, broke down in Santa Barbara, mm -hmm. had the engine overhauled, Barbara on a Sunday, and finally we left at four in the morning and I, we finally hit San Francisco at midnight. Wow. So we were exhausted. And the first thing they say was, where have you been? You know, but that was before cell phones and oh, yeah. good luck trying to find it, you know. So we finally make it and they say, well, you're going to have to try wardrobe on. So we just got there and then we're trying on clothes. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah. but you know, it worked out great. This, the blue and white, I tried on three outfits and that blue and white stripy dress fit perfectly with no alterations. Wow. This is it. So yeah, I had a pair of, you know, this was a low budget film. So, you know, Everything was used, the shoes, some shoes, Capizios, they found at the secondhand store. So, you know, and the so, rest is history. So many people's careers started there from oh, Harrison Ford, yes. uh, Richard Dreyfuss to, well, Ron Howard. Cindy Williams. Cindy Williams. Ron Howard. Mackenzie Phillips. I saw... Ron had brought his little film that he had won second place in the Kodak film contest, artist brother. And he had brought one of those hand crank viewers where you put your eyes up to a thing and you crank it. And I went, wow, Ronnie, really good. And he was 18 and he had won second prize in the Kodak film contest. You know, that's, that's not easy to do. Right. But, um, yeah. So he went a long way, but I, I spotted his talent. I told him it was great. You're going to go the distance. Wow. So he wanted, and that's what, what he really wanted to do was direct. Even back then, that's what he wanted. Is that yeah. what he, wow. he directed his brother in this great, it's really good. One, you know, one actor, one uh, director, you know, home movie, but really good and edited wow. and it was, you know, Wow. Okay. So moving forward from, uh, did, did you ever go see uh, Bowie live in concert after having done that movie? With I him? did. 
after we, after the movie was shot, went to see him as the thin white Duke, I think. And um, I immediately became a Gaga fan, you know. It's a good thing I didn't see him in concert prior because I would have been very like reverent and, you know. Right creeped out you know because he is such a huge star but i really didn't until afterwards and so the timing on that was great because otherwise i would have just been you know a yes man did you ever yes, david oh, i love you did you ever spend time with him after the film like did you ever run into him again after I ran into him a couple of times in New York City when I was doing this play called A Couple of White Chicks Sitting Around Talking. And uh, we went and had, you know, some coffee. But we, we were never phone friends or any of that. Once Christmas though, after the film had, you know, shot and everything, I lived in a little duplex apartment and the doorbell rings, I open it up and there's David Bowie. <laughs> What? And there was the limousine from the movie because he got that limo, you know, as a gift from the movie. But there he was, and he gave me this own pen, which I still have. And uh, yeah, that was, I didn't even ask him, how did you find me? You know, nothing. He had his ways of, you know, tracking, tracking people down. That's but there he much. was. I know yeah. another rock star that you're close with, which I have to ask you about. So how did you meet Jeff Beck and how did that friendship start? I met Jeff Beck at a uh, hot rod show for Moon Eye. So because of American Graffiti, I do a lot of hot rod shows, personal appearances, and I show up and sign autographs right. from the movie. And that's one of their biggest is the car crowd, you know, vintage car crowd. Anyway, so I'm at this show and it's late in the day and the show is really winding. And so a man comes up, I have my pictures out. A man comes up and says, uh, how much? And I tell him and he says, okay, I'll pick that one. And so I said, okay. So I said, who do I sign it to? And so I'm like looking down and at the picture and, you know, ready to personalize it. And he says, uh, sign it to Jeff Beck. And Jeff Beck, <laughs> the Jeff Beck. And he says, yes. <laughs> so of course, I, you know, I did and I actually charged him for it. <laughs> anyway, so. I get out from behind my booth and I said, I gotta have a picture. And I swear the man was trembling meeting. What? Like I was the superstar. He was shaking. Wow. And, <laughs> and it turned out that he had seen the film 3,000 times. And he actually admitted to that because he recreated the car, the yellow hot rod 32. He was a super fans of the movie so <laughs> that was quite the experience and so of course I gave him my email and when he blew through town a couple of times I've been to concerts you know and been backstage 
I saw so, you on the, one of the last shows that I saw was besides the Who was going to see Jeff Beck with Rod Stewart at the Hollywood Bowl, and there you were yes. with Jeff backstage. I was backstage. <laughs> Does he still tremble when he sees you, or is he uh, over that now? Are you just a person now? Is he traveling? What? No. Does he still tremble when he sees you? Oh no, he's over that. <laughs> but he likes me an awful lot, I can tell. And I keep saying, you're seeing Debbie. You don't see me, Debbie. And you're, you you love Debbie. But it gets transferred to me, which, you know, is enjoyable. Oh, yeah. Uh, any other... Nice hugs and kisses. Have, have there been other surprise celebrities who have, are super fans of American Graffiti that have, like, fanned you? I think that's my biggest one, and that's pretty big. It's pretty big. It's pretty damn big. It's pretty big. <laughs> um, okay, so then you you also you worked on Zodiac with a couple of other great actors, with Jake Gyllenhaal and Mark Ruffalo. How did you get Zodiac? What was that like? I think I just got hired for that out of the blue, and I had the part of uh, of the secretary who opens from the Zodiac so uh, you know it was a not a huge part but it, it still I was and so um, I have on all these you know they put me in these plaid polyester <laughs> outfits that were itchy I don't know how we wore that back in the 70s that polyester it was like upholstery fabric or something but you know they found some often but I can't believe we wore that and how itchy it really was so but yeah it was fun you know um Jake was you know I didn't have that big a part I was just there for a few days so I didn't really get to know everybody but you know he seems sorry lovely. I don't he seems lovely I've, I've it was very sweet very sweet mm -hmm. very sweet and how about, uh, it always cracks me up that you did when you come in back Red Rider, because I don't know too many people that know that. I did the play in college, but you played Cheryl with Marjo Gortner and Marjo Gortner's got quite a story. What was that like? Well, we shot it in El Paso and, you know, it was originally a, a, a play, wasn't it Mark? Mark Medoff, yeah, it was in the play, yeah. Um, God, it was just loaded with dialogue. And I played Cheryl, the hippie girl, <laughs> you know, kind of hooked up with a Manson type who starts, uh, you know, messing with these people at this cafe and, uh, you know, breaks their violin and causes a lot of havoc. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to do. You know, what was his name? Pat Hingle? Pat? Sure. Pat, Pat Hingle. Pat was Hingle, was that his name? Yeah. Yeah, super nice. And, uh, you know, Milton Katselis, everybody was super nice. You know, every film I've ever worked, TV thing, the people that work on these uh, projects are generally fantastic people, you know, artists. So they're a lot of fun and you know I really like being on the set and the instantaneous relationships you have to develop because you're going to be 
you know, with people that you don't know, it's kind of, kind of reminds me of modeling because with the modeling, you, you know, you working with an, another model, no, but you have to act like, you know, your friends and, you know, for the photographs. So, but yeah, it's uh, a lot of great people. Um, in the movie biz. Marjo Gortner was like a really, he had a, a strange backstory because he was like a kid, wasn't he like a kid evangelist? Didn't he get famous? Yeah, there's a great movie, a documentary on him called Marjo that you can look into. It's really reveal religion and what a business it really is. And the go whole goal, it seemed, was to get the money out of the purple haired ladies and, you know, he was uh, very talented uh, as a four-year-old. He could remember, you know, a sermon and also script. So he had a real, you know, a mind, <laughs> a memory mind that I wish I had had, but, uh, you know, only a few people get, get that. And he at a very young age and they were kind of the uh, evangelical types or Pentecostal types and, you know, of a tent, you know, a traveling tent. And, you know, it's a real interesting story. And then he, he kind of did an expose in the documentary where he reveals what a scam it really is. So it was uh, quite revealing the movie. Um, was he, he was over, he was long past all of that. Was he like a, was he Yeah, like no, he was an actor. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, here's a, here's a. Oh, wow. wow. Who that? That's David. I see David. Yeah. And mm. this is me starting my alcoholic. It's so wild to see you with dark hair like that. I know. And the hairdresser was amazing. He could create my hair into so many different Wow, that's gorgeous. So, how did you start modeling, Candy? How'd you get your modeling break? How? Yeah, how'd you get your break as a model? I moved to New York City, and that was uh, something that I felt like I could do. And there were, you know, city is kind of the model's capital of the world. <laughs> you know? It's where all the... Um, photographers are that do advertising and magazines and yeah so you know it was a natural thing to do mm -hmm. plus it you know it didn't take a any uh you know you didn't have any you didn't have to go to school to do it or anything you just start building your portfolio working with young photographers and their portfolio and uh you graduate and gradually you know, you get the knack of it and you have an agent and they send you out on a thing called Gaze. And it's not an audition, it's a go see and you show your portfolio and you start getting work. Mm -hmm. And okay, so getting more current because how about Twin Peaks? That's one thing I know I haven't asked you about yet. What was working on Twin Peaks like? It was, it was flying up to Washington State and then um, it was really, really uh, 
lot of fun, but it was a lot of stress because they were shooting fast and my dialogue was miles long. Wow. Of, and my character angry at her husband who never seems to get anything done. And uh, my character is kind of at the end of the end of her rope with her husband of, you know, there's leaks, there's, you know, diarrhea, the dog has diarrhea, the, you know, the buckets, the this, you know, a new carpet, nothing happens. So my character just goes in and blows up. So, uh, you know, it's, and they were very secretive and very uh, nervous about their script getting out and anybody seeing them. So um, when I finally finished, they actually took my sides and that was it. So wow. we weren't allowed to, they were very, very secretive about, you know, letting any, uh, and we had to sign a non, what's it called, a non-disclosure. Yeah. I promise I will not tell anything <laughs> until it's time. But um, yeah, it was challenge, you know, a lot of dialogue had to be said really fast and angry and upset. And when I first, it was shot on a location, like a, a kind of a office building with a lot of, but a vintage style. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a new, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. And my, you know, I come storming in, I throw the door open and uh, the room all in. There's uh, David Lynch in the corner, just a couple of feet away from me with a megaphone. <laughs> you know, through a megaphone. <laughs> I started laughing so hard because I had <laughs> never seen any director phone but that's what makes him unique you know <laughs> i guess one of many things yeah you mentioned a couple white chicks sitting around talking so you did theater as well i i don't you're not a, you weren't a trained act, actress from what i recall no and and i did that with carrie snodgrass oh and yeah carrie snodgrass and it was a lot of fun the that plays kind of gimmick was every they would change the cast so it would be two new white chicks sitting around talking and so um yeah that was a carrie um i wound up basically doing the play most of the time 99 percent of the time with the under because carrie had a lot of bad luck there she got mugged she got thrown down some stairs. She fell out of her bed and broke wow. her arm or something. Wow. I mean, it was just like continual. And uh, yeah, I never saw anyone have bad luck. It was the weirdest thing. But, I, you know, the audience was always disappointed because, you know, they came to see Carrie Snodgrass. Right. She was never there. It was just the understudy in me. So. Mm. Anyway, it was a unusual experience. Have you done other theater? Do you like doing theater? I did one little thing here in uh, LA, here in the Valley mm -hmm. called It's Raining on Hope Street. It was one of those tiny, tiny places 
where you're on a flat, you know, you're on a floor at the same level as the and, and we're, you're doing the scenes and I swear I could have reached out and touched someone's knee, you know, if they were that close. So it was real close up work. Was, I liked it, you know. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, they were, the audience was just right there. It was, it was. Uh, Somebody just, Robert just asked, did you get the sheriff's wife's part out of the blue or did David Lynch specify you for the role? No, I went to the casting, um, Joanna Ray's, that's his uh, casting director that he uses and went to her, her uh, office. And what was really weird was the audition it was just a uh, conference. They were filming. She had a, an assistant that filmed over Joanna's shoulder of me just talking about, you know, every was like, wow. And, you know, I felt so uptight, even though I know Joanna and it just like kind of threw me that huh. was what they were doing. And, um, but for some reason I got the part. So, when the pandemic struck, were you do, I know you were doing a lot of, uh, that you do a lot of hot rod shows and a lot of signings oh, yeah. like that. Um, was work shut down for you? I mean, I assume you lost a lot of work. It was shut down for everyone. Right. So what is your hope as things start to open up again? Like, do you feel that if you got a call that you'd be ready to go back on a set now? Oh yeah, mm -hmm. I've had both my vaccines. I feel very good, you know, I, I don't, uh, the only thing I'm worried about is it revisiting us yeah. from another country. But, uh, you know, I just want everyone to keep being vaccinated the way we're gonna get out of this. If we get out of it, you know, now I'm worried that we won't get out of it. It's just like so troubling. Um, so on a happier I note, you want to see this picture of David Bowie, Nick Rogue, and the uh, writer Paul Myersberg? Sure. Oh my God. Wait a minute. Where's Bowie in there? Oh God. In the middle. Wow. Yeah, I see him. That's crazy. He that's so <laughs> look like him. That's crazy. Wow. Um, so I, Candy, when we we used to run around and go to a lot of screenings and see films and go to the little luncheons, you took me to so many fun things. Um, I assume those aren't happening yet. No, they didn't have any of that. They had, uh, you know, they you'd get a Zoom meeting with the actor. Right. Or they would say, um, you know, there will be a screening and you would be invited, you know, to watch it by other Academy people, but you didn't see everyone, you know, and they wanted you to post it on your uh, face, you know, your social media. And, you know, it's just, um, very new, you know, nobody knows how to through this. I mean, we've really limped along, you know, it's just 
you know, it's just the storm all living through and we're all trying to figure out, you know, how is it? Well, now we know how it's transferred, but before it was like, you know, I remember going to the pharmacy and they had a drive up window and I had my vents open on my car. And I thought, oh, God, the virus has come through the vents. You know, it was just like, we were just, you know, you felt like you were dodging this thing all day long. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, I've uh, come out. I've <laughs> I started buying food way in advance because I knew by the leakage on the internet, thank God for the internet, but uh, a lot of uh, videos were leaking out of China mm -hmm. in January. And, uh, you know, Trump didn't officially say that it was a national emergency till March 13th or something. So yep. month lead where I was like, you know, bringing in supplies because I knew this, there was no way that they could contain this because of traveling it had been an hour new year's hour christmas chinese new year's you know people were traveling and that it was it was just a matter of moments really before it entered you know the u.s and unfortunately i was right and you know i i don't feel happy about being right but mm -hmm. you know i i did get a jump a couple of months jump on the whole situation so, so tonight, anyway, whenever I talk about it, I feel so overwhelmed and heavy by this whole ordeal. Yeah, yeah so it's just I've, been an ordeal. So, not to leave everybody on a COVID heavy note. Yeah, um, it's just like, ugh. Let's go someplace fun. So, you've met a lot of actors when you've gone to these screenings, you've gone to incredible yeah. parties. Screenings. Do you have a favorite story or? Was it, were you ever completely starstruck to meet somebody? Anything fun you could end us with? It was with, uh, what's her name? You know, when you give me these, sometimes they just, you know, I'm not prepared, so I don't have an answer. But it was Angelina Jolie, and she had done this film that we at uh, someone's house that had a big screening room and everything. It was called First they killed my father okay. and it took place, I think in Canada, you know, and uh, so I'm watching this movie with a lot of people in this screening room and it is tearing me, you know, crying and, you know, it's really a horrible tragedy film, like a documentary almost. So the film is over with and there she is, Angelina Jolie real thin and tall and, you know, she had just done this film that was just, I went over to tell her and I was just sobbing. I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't even talk. It was just <laughs> hopeless. And, and my boyfriend, John took my picture of me just like, you know, I was just, I, I couldn't, she was looking at me like, hey, that's interesting. That's an interesting reaction. I'll remember that when I have to, you know, do an acting because that's what actors do. They watch behavior and I could see her, even though I was crying, I was still could see her watching me. Wow. 
actors do, you know, they watch behavior and they use it later, you know? So, you know, <laughs> but she was like fascinated by my ears and my reaction to not even being able to speak. So. Wow. Um, didn't yeah. you get to meet Brad Pitt? I feel like I like there was a screening that I was maybe going to go to. Didn't Brad Pitt show up at a screening? It was brief, you know, nothing to speak about. Not like Jeff Beck. Yeah, well. <laughs> or David Bowie or other actors that George I've worked Clooney? with. You did know? you get to meet George at a screening? I feel like I've seen your picture. I did. George. And he went over for me and I knew it wasn't real. Cause it's like, you look amazing. You look amazing. I'm like, wow, thanks. And um, never met before. <laughs> well, maybe he was a fan. Maybe he thought I was someone else. I don't know. Well, but maybe he was an American graffiti fan. Who knows? I don't, I don't know, but it was like this huge reaction to, uh, you know, just meeting someone for the first time. Wow. Well, if you're going to get that reaction from- He looked amazing too. He's very handsome. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, Candy, thanks so much for coming back and doing this again. And I hope the next time we do it, we can be in the same room and go have lunch and go to a screening and do fun things. Are you going to, are you going to treat? Sure. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> Even though you're- Let's the go best. to the smokehouse. They have the best burgers. Really? I've never been. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm still only smokehouse. I'm only eating outside. I haven't gone inside to a restaurant yet. I'm not oh, ready. they have outside. All, All right. the restaurants have outside sections. All right. Well, we'll we'll have to go have a hamburger at the smokehouse. That sounds good to me. Thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. Love you. Have a Thank wonderful you. day. Bye, everybody. See you soon. All right, sweetheart. <laughs>